everybody, and welcome to Niche Podcast about the one thing I know something about, game shows, I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas. It is a very tiresome week. It's been a few months. Um, I'm still not fully back on schedule to start talking about game shows again. However, because of the writer's strike and now it's uh, SAG-AFTRA, uh, there's not a lot of game shows going around. Uh, so what I've decided to do is just uh, refresh and do a whole lot of reviews for this episode, and hopefully we have enough time. Uh, as of this recording, uh, there is a brand new Celebrity Jeopardy, Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, and $100,000 Pyramid on EBC, as well as The Golden Bachelor, if you want to see people over the age of 50 cry and get heartbroken. But for now, uh, let me rewind you all the way to about August of this year, when Takeshi's Castle got rebooted, and put on Amazon. So over the summer, Takeshi's Castle returned, and it's on Amazon. We talked about it briefly during the whole uh, GSN rendezvous kind of thing that we were having, but I didn't really give my full-on review. Takeshi's Castle was a game show in the 80s from Japan. Essentially, we had a whole episode. I don't really need to rehash that because, I mean, we had a whole episode. In fact, the guest on that episode was a contestant on this version, uh, Josh. What up, Josh? Uh, so, I, I, trying to not like go into, well, my friend Josh was on it, and it was his lifelong dream to be on a game show reboot, and he followed his dream. There is two variants: the Japanese version, which is just Hardline Takeshi's Castle, and then there is a Romesh and. Uh, Tom Davies' version of, uh, which is like a dub. So, Takeshi's Castle comes in many forms. Most of us in America know it when it was MXC. Uh, and then over in the UK, the most popular one uh, was uh, dubbed in Challenge with Greg Charles. Uh, so, it, it's a bit weird to see, like, a rebooted version and no MXC and no Greg Charles, and it's like... Tom and Ramesh, who are podcast comedians, I mean, they're comedians who are famous for having a podcast together, and they're not a good fit. I, so, when you're doing a whole dub of Takeshi's Castle, it lives and dies in the commentary. And much like when, remember the funny days of Retsu Prey and commentary channels? It lives and dies with who's on the microphone and it, it's not a good fit they're heckle comedians yes but heckling isn't really the ambiance they kind of want in Takeshi's castle it seems like the heck like I think the it, it's more of silly they want more like a, a wipeout pun based you know, the mom is going home and now she has to go pick up her kids or something. Like some dumb joke like that. This is really like a, wow, they weren't even trying. And that's the joke. It's very lazy and very... <laughs> it's not a good dub, shall we say. So, uh, for me, the Romesh and Tom version, as much as... Ramesh hosts the reboot of Weakest Link on BBC, and Tom hosts uh, qu uh, Quizness, uh, which was this quiz-based uh, sh show 
It was all based on wordplay. Uh, and he, they're, they're both okay on that because they're both more heckle comedians. But the heckling on Takeshi's Castle is kind of not in the spirit of Takeshi's Castle, if that makes sense. This is kind of like, you are a dumb shit because you fell in the water. That's the joke. Or why did they try this? They weren't even trying. Why did they do that? It just, it doesn't fit the, the wackiness. It needs to be wacky. It's like the 80s. Whoa, throwback. Um, so it didn't really fit. Additionally, the um, the uh, reboot had eight episodes in Japan, and these are like the core episodes. So there are four episodes, and each of them uh, are split into two halves to make one full episode. There's a mini boss in each uh, round because there's no Takeshi to fight against, uh, unlike the original version. So there's a hundred people. And they uh, go through an obstacle to see who survives. And then they get split up into different trials. Uh, and if they complete the trial, they advance to the next round. And if they fail their respective trial, uh, they end up in the second chance game to earn their way back into the next game. Uh, which comes in one of three various, which I think is a uh, A-B quiz game. Uh, a game... Uh, the The... It was called Mud Butlers, where they had the ball in the pachinko machine to grab and dive it. And the last one is, um, what was it? It was not the AB quiz game. I think it was a slide. It was a, it was the, uh, it was another slide based game. And some of your favorites are back, like the the one where you're on the surfboard and they have to jump over obstacles. Uh, there are a few new ones like Block Block, which are just kind of cool because they're, they're rotating shapes, almost like a wipeout challenge. And those are really fun. Uh, and there's no winners on Takeshi's Castle, spoilers, but it's very funny to see because it's still the wipeouts. But it basically shows you how 80s sensitivities of like Takeshi's Castle would lead to what was now like a wipeout, where it's just hyper aggressive. Uh, people flipping themselves into water. Just like how things like endurance or zagamen, as it's called in Japan, would lead the way to a fear factor kind of uh, or endurance challenge kind of stunt show. Um, it's not bad. However, it's not as exciting or entertaining, at least to me, than watching Raw Takeshi's Castle from the 80s. And from the uh, dubs, whether it's MXC or Craig Charles. Uh, because the, the comedy fall is in line with people falling into water, people hitting an obstacle in a weird way. And this one has an over-reliance on Cheetan, a mascot character that swept the internet because it's a cute-looking cat. And they pretty much made that fucking mascot do every challenge in every episode that I got very sick of this stupid cat mascot character to the point of exhaustion. They had Sasuke contestants who like went and like beat Mount Midoriyama. They had uh, comedians as their wacky characters show up. They had people from around the world, including my friend Josh, 
But their focus was on, well, the funny mascot's getting covered in mud and covered in water. And we have to get a lifeguard because it turns out the guy can't see for shit and can't swim. It's it's just terrible in that regard. It's it's is it a fun enough reboot? Kind of, but it it feels to me like they really over it, it's more of a tribute episode like season than a full on reboot. Uh, and those are okay to do like, here's our tribute, but it feels like I've had my fill of Takeshi's Castle. I don't need to see any more. Uh, as much as it was funny to watch those few episodes, it didn't bring that same amount of joy as the originals did. Uh, the games were okay, but the jokes were kind of around. Now, the, you can get the English, you can get English subtitles of what the Japanese uh, hosts are saying, and it's more realistic that way. And I'm not saying I'm a I'm a subs over dubs kind of person, but looking at the subtitles to the original Japanese instead of the Romesh one made the game more palpable to understand and more of, oh, basically the heckling are the two people in the room and then there's a side boss who's kind of like the special celebrity guest. So that makes sense and that, that adds a bit of fun to it. The challenges do get repetitive, so if you're going to watch Takeshi's Castle, I recommend you do not watch it in a full-on binge mode. I recommend watching one or two episodes at a time and take a break for another week. And I mean it, a full-on week. Because if you're going to just go into it trying to binge watch everything, you're going to get desensitized by someone slip-sliding into water. Or... Uh, the the block block someone falling because they can't do the stair platform or the star the star platform, so is it worth it? Eh, but if you have Prime Video and some of you do because you want two day free shipping, you can give it a try. I recommend watching two episodes. Pick any two you want: one or two, three and four, five and six, seven or eight, and you'll be fine. Seven or eight has Takeshi on it. Uh, so if you really want to have like a full on, hey, it's the guy from Battle Royale, go right ahead. Um, most of the time, it's a virtual reality version of Takeshi, who is just a, a head of a computer, which is still voiced by t Beat Takeshi. Uh, so it's it's fine, but I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it. I would say it's like a, a, a two. It's fine. Good news, everybody. The writer strike has now been lifted, which means that uh, essentially talk shows and game shows are back on schedule. So congratulations to all the parties involved. In fact, I'm going to check out right now the uh, bulletin board, and it says here when it comes to game shows that it's under Appendix A, comedy, variety, quiz, and audience, and non-dramatic programs with about 600 for half hour, 1.15 million for one hour show. Uh, they're made for subscription streaming services who have weekly initial compensation minimums like television. Projects with four episodes a week have lower breaks, for instance. Comedy variety strip shows have budget breaks of 150 for half an hour and a quarter million for 60 minutes. Uh, comedy variety employment will get the aggregate minimum compensation addition to weekly minimums with 13 programs and a 13-week guarantee. Shorter orders will have shorter guarantees by applying for a guild waiver. Quiz and audiences and other non-dramatic series have weekly minimums. Through a 13-week guarantee is not required. Oh, sorry. Though... <clears throat> 
Boy, I'm bad at botching the reader. Okay. A girl has the right to negotiate initial compensation terms for existing daytime serials and then move to subscription streaming services in the same fashion as negotes for Appendix A for low-budget dramatic shows on basic cable. All high-budget Appendix A programs will receive a residual of 1.2% of the license fee for use after the first 26 weeks, which means Jeopardy gets to negotiate. Good job, folks. Anyway, uh, while that's going on, let's have a game show with a bit of writing, but a lot of guessing. This is a return to Fox form as they bring daytime game shows back to television with Person, Place, or Thing. Person, Place, or Thing is now officially considered a game show. They had a trial run last year, and it was on a few select stations on Fox networks, but now it is on pretty much any Fox network. Uh, from what I've read and researched, they're essentially, don't tell anybody, trying to bring a, back a little throwback to those CBS daytime game show blocks. And that's why you're going to see Pictionary, 25 words or less, and now people place a thing. No, you bet your life with Jay Leno because of current union rules, but we'll see how it happens with a season three. Um, person, place, or thing is fun. And the original pitch was... Uh, it, it, the game plays exactly the same as the trial run, other than the grand prize at the end, uh, where the grand prize is now $5,000. Yeah. So we'll just get that out of the way here. Before we get into the whole premise in the game, $5,000 is the grand prize on a game show in 2023 in a world where that barely covers most rent in Los Angeles. Five grand. Now... The people who probably produce the show will say, but they're returning champions, and if they do very well, they could have a streak going, or maybe they can get 10000 25000 or so. Yeah, but 5000 is very, very cheap. Uh, why don't you just do a jackpot if that was the case, or uh, or, or throw, find a way to throw more money at it? I, the thing I hate most is, I mean... Basically, all the Fox shows are basically a GSN game show, but with almost the same point structure as a GSN show. 25 words or less, it's 100 points here, 250 here, and then the big bullshit catch-up round. In Pictionary, it's the same way. This is like 100 points, and this is 300 points, and then the big bullshit catch-up round. And this show is no exception. There's 100 points, 200 points, and then the big bullshit catch-up round. The, cat the problem is, though... This is more cohesive of a show, and I feel like there's more ways to incorporate prizes or cash or something if you were going to go into that route. Um, but it's not. It's just a simple guessing game. Now, the fun part is it's all about nouns. People, places, or things. And Melissa Peterman, I will say right off the record, is the best new game show host of 2023. She has done so many guest spots on so many celebrity game shows for almost like 20 years at this point and she is just really funny really amazing and because she is really gifted at improv she can think a bit on her feet when it comes to some of the outrageous questions and guesses on the show so now we can explain the game because i can actually explain the rules to this show unlike a few of the ones we're reviewing today in round one there's a person a place and a thing to figure out the contestants, there are three of them. We go one by one, and they just ask a simple yes or no question. So, in instance, we're looking, the first category is a person. And it's a singer. It's an actor. It's a blank. 
and then they can ask a question like, was this musician popular in the 80s? Yes. Are they a female musician? Yes. Do they have more than one hit? Absolutely. Then they get a clue. This musician uh, has won more like Grammys and da, 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 da. and then they someone can ring in and if they guess what it is correctly, they win a hundred points. If they buzz in and they're incorrect, they're locked out for the next question round. Then they repeat the process. Hey, uh, is this person uh, currently singing? Does this person have an album in the last decade? Yes, no. And they keep going. And it's actually fun to play along with. To me, the most important part of a game show is a play along feature. With 25 words or less, you can sort of, if you cover your eyes or, or be close, you can kind of hear and play along with. But there's still a frantic time split. With something like Pictionary, you can obviously just look at the screen and play along with. But with People, Place, or Thing, because it's a guessing game, it's fun to actually play along with. And then you still see the clues visually to play along with. So round one, there's three of these clues. A person, then a, a place, and then a thing. And after that, we cut to a commercial break. Jamie from 25 Words or Less. Welcome back to People, Place, or Thing. Something that happened with the first round. Here's Melissa Peterman. And then we go into round two, where the contestants now get to pick the category. Each of them can pick either a person, a place, or a thing. It's not necessarily one of each. We could have three people. We can have three places or most likely it's going to be things. I, I, I Maybe it's just what I've been seeing lately, but it's been mostly people choosing things because things is more broad, I guess. So you can get animals or toys or something. And we go through the round again. Is this a blank? Is this a this? Can you do this? Yes, yes, no. And you get to play for 200 points. So the points are double in round two. Yeah, just like every game show. And that's about it with round two. People, places, or things. And now we go into round three, which I would say is the bullshit catch-up round. But the bullshit catch-up round in this game is actually kind of fair. Because you... You have essentially what the final round is, is there's 90 seconds on the clock and it's basically speed people, places or things where it rotates around from a person to a place to a thing back to person to a thing to, and it just keeps going. And it's just the facts that they've researched and picked up to reach the game. So then there's 90 seconds on the clock and you hear things like, uh, we're looking for a person. This person was a former president of the United States. They used to be an actor. They are currently dead. Like, and, and it just goes into a speed round. So someone can ring in Ronald Reagan and we keep going. Yes. For each one of those ringing corrects, it's worth 250. However, if you ring in and you're incorrect, you're out for that question until the time runs out on that. Basically, where all the clues have been depleted and nobody knows. After 90 seconds, whoever has the most points wins. Uh, each of these uh, are worth 250 points, if I'm not mistaken, which means it is anybody's game, which means because there's three in round one and 200 in round two, that's 300 points in round one and 600 in round two, that's 900. 
and they go for about six to eight of those little guesses, which means that it's still anybody's game, but you have to really be paying close attention. Now, the other two, they don't leave empty-handed. They win typical cheap uh, consolation prices like Tommy Bahamas or maybe Lobster Graham. The kind of stuff that you see on 25 words or less or on Pictionary. Yum. So now we move on to the winner. Now, in the trial version, uh, it would be 2000 and a prize, like, which is usually a cruise. Um, but in the, as we said, season one, $5,000. Here's how it works. They have to figure out a person, a place, and a thing in 60 seconds. That's right. The GSN favorite. Something in 60 seconds. But instead of winning 10,000, it's just 5,000. If they can solve a person, a place, or a thing, just one of the three, they get $1,000. If they can get two of the three, $2,000. If they can get all three, they win $5,000. Hooray! In addition to 60 seconds, they can ask as many questions as they want. They can guess as many times as they like. There is no penalty for wrong guesses. In fact, it's kind of wanting to be the case. Additionally, they are given three clues. If at any point they need a clue, they just yell out clue, and Melissa will give them one of those iconic person, place, or thing clues to help them out. They also get to know a little bit about the category, such as a toy, a country, whatever, which makes it even more fun, I guess. Now, it's not an intense final round. It's really played lightheartedly because I think because of the stakes being very, very small of five grand, it does make it very fun. Uh, so for me, it's still such a great little show to play along with. But that $5,000, they just sort of go, oh, oh, that's it. Oh, <clears throat> for me, here's what I would be. I mean, they can't give away that much money, it sounds like. And the 100 points thing always just feels like, boy, in some pitch film, they probably wanted it to be dollars and they can't make it dollars. So they can't give away 100 bucks right now. They could only do points. Well, that's kind of sad. But it happens. Um, anyway, the, the final round's okay. Uh, I just sort of think if you're going to go into the returning champions route, you might as well make it like a recurring jackpot then of maybe like the next game is 6000 until somebody wins. Because at 5000 it's just so weak. Game show minimum right now is $10,000. I think most game shows have a $10,000 grand prize. Uh, rather, it's a GSN game show like Chain Reaction or something along the lines of 25 words or less all the way to Split Second. Uh, and, and even like a lingo would be $10,000 these days. But the fact that it's 5000 is just sort of just a little insulting. This is the kind of game show where it feels like what they, sh they should have done. You went like the GSN route. You win the game, you get $1,000, 
and then you get a thousand dollars, you get this, and then ten thousand, or some sort of like there's extras. It's like you can get up to three thousand, because the fact that it is really, really, um, I don't know what's the best way to describe it. While it is very light, it's very fluffy. It's it's very marshmallow. This is one of the most marshmallow-feeling game shows because it's not a bleak black set. It's a bright white set. It's very funny, very comical, very airy, fun. You, I, I want to keep watching it because of just how open and inviting it is. It doesn't feel cold. It feels warm. And I think that's such a, a brilliant trait to have in a game show. But at such low, low, low stakes in a bonus round, I just sort of go, oh, that's the one part where I wish they actually did have more budget. I would be okay with $10,000 paying the price on something like this. But at $5,000, it just, uh And a plus with a recurring, like, contestants, it just sort of... I get it, because that, that could build the pot a bit more, but just... It, you don't really get that many episodes. I think there's only there's over a hundred being filmed this this season, which is very rare, um, but very smart. Uh, and then they're going to try and see what happens. Um, <clears throat> but while I recommend people watching it, and if you don't have like a cable subscription or a way to watch Fox the Network, I'm almost positive this will be available on YouTube for free somewhere. Because they've been doing that with 25 Words or Less, and they've been doing that with Pictionary. The actual game shows from the actual production house available for free on YouTube. And I'm sure they'll be available there too. Uh, which means it's such a good game show because there's so many ways for you to watch it. And there's so many like time shifts for you to just like, hey, if you want to watch a quick game show, this one's very harmless. I just sort of wish they had the prize budget. I think of all the game shows currently on the air right now, it's the one thing where it's like, boy, I love everything about this show, but the prizes. Like, even if it's just you solve the the person, place, or thing, you win a prize would be something. It just feels like it, they need more sponsorship or more ads. Additionally, uh, in my local affiliate, and I'm pretty sure around the, the country, uh, the graphic package kind of got hiccuped a bit this week uh, with flickery lights for the Caesar slots thing and also with the little bird, which is like the iconic part of the show is this like little whammy-like character that just sort of gives funny gestury faces when someone makes a bad guess or they run out of time or don't know a celebrity. It just, it just becomes very funny. Uh, so that being said, please give it a watch. It's not the greatest game show of all time. I hate to say it. It's not the greatest game show of all time. However, it's a very familiar sounding format. A very classical game show being made. It's not a classic game show. And it's... What I keep saying, I want more zags instead of zigs. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm sick of dark fucking sets. I'm tired of just let's build tension where it needs to be that isn't there. And I'm really uh, sick of like, I would say catch up rounds that are really game breaky. 
yes, it's a bullshit catch-up round, but it's not game-breaking enough. It's like, you can... You still have to have a big, like... You have to do, like, a Hail Mary pass to win that final round. So it it works in so many different levels that I I kind of enjoy it a lot more. Because you're you're there to just play a fun little game. It's, It's... You don't have to really think that much, but it helps if you know a lot of things about everything. But it's not full-on trivia. So I like it in so many different levels. It's such a fun, vibrant, happy... Again, happy. It's it's the Great British Bake Off. It's a happy game show. And I love that. The only thing I don't love is the fact the prize money is shit. And I'm only saying maybe it's because it's first season. They're testing the waters. They don't have the budget. But please, whoever can manage to scrape by and just muster up a way to make some money to make it 10000 or 25000 just please, something better. It'd be great. Um, but that's, that's just me. Uh, <laughs> hell, like, make it so the, like, what is your, your point value is how much you play for. If you get one right, then you double it. If you get two right, then you double it again so it's four times the amount. That would be cool. Actually, that would actually kind of work if you want to go to the $10,000 route because you can have like two... Because a lot of people win with like 1,800 points or 2,200 points. So it's like, hey, you get one right, that's 2,200. Then you get 4,400. If you get all three, that's 10,000. And it kind of works like that. And, and, and it's fine. But just, ah, uh, it's just money to me. And sometimes money shouldn't be everything. Again, money should never really uh, sell the show unless that is the selling point. It's like multi-million dollars thrown out. But in something like this, it's, in fact, it's in Los Angeles. And it's just so much low money. It just feels like you might not get the min- that many game show contestants. Even if it's just a few thousand dollars. Because now you're just very breaking through actor minimums. <laughs> and in this economy, I don't know. But yes, it's a great game show. Please check it out. It might be a top fiver this year. It, it, it feels like it could. it's on that leaning of the top ten. Might be a top five. I really love the guessing game aspect of Person, Place, or Thing. Currently, it's one of my favorite game shows to come out in quite a while. Uh, you can't really watch the new episodes, and there's still a bit of glitchiness, but it's still a lot of fun. And now if you want to converse to that, TMZ has... Who the bleep is that? TMZ has a game show also at the same time as all of these weird Fox bullshit things like Pictionary and 25 Words or Less and Person, Place, or Thing called TMZ's Who the Bleep is That? See, the bleep means fuck. That's the joke. Who who the bleep is that? Like who the who the fuck is that? See that's that's the joke because you know you see a celebrity and don't know who it is. So it's who the fuck is that? It's basically because it's going to be edgy, but you can't say fuck on television. So it, it's called who the bleep is that? It's a celebrity based game show where three contestants have to figure out celebrities. It's like person place her thing, but without any of the comedy value. Essentially, uh, the premise, which is set on what looks to be a giant screen, 
and on a weird LED strip and the Taskmaster fucking window set, which is... Look, I want bright sets. I'm I'm pro-bright sets. This isn't a bright set. This is a cheap set. This feels like this could be the set for anything. A daytime talk show. This could be the set of a, a talk show for like an infomercial fake game show. Like there's so many things. It doesn't scream TMZ game show. It just screams lazy. It is a lazy fucking game show. Now, I'm not I'm not one to go, oh boy, I don't like TMZ because gossip. It's a fucking gossip fucking thing. It essentially it is to the National Enquirer was in the 90s. There's always gonna be people who love drama and guess they're going to capitalize on that with a game show now in this show it's all about celebrities and it's about figuring out who the celebrities are in each round there's a different category and a different way to figuring out such as just here's a photo who is that person and it's like someone when they were a kid or when they were from a tv show and if you're right you get 100 points just like person placed your thing then in round two the values are double but this time the way to figure out is different now you're going to get clues and they're going to be overlaying over the photo so you're going to get double clues for 200 point then there's a fucking uh, bullshit slot machine speed round thing where it's like four i think it's like 500 points like it's just it's not 250 like person but it's like fucking game breaking enough And whoever can do the most after that speed round goes on to the final round. In the bonus round, they get to play for a vacation. In the test round, it was $5,000. So I guess they're going to be getting the trip. Yay. So in this one, it's an A-B quiz. In 60 seconds, you get 10 of them. Hey, do you love that in in GSN? We get that again with this fucking show. Hey, are they a Southern rapper? Hey, are they currently married or divorced? Hey, did they ever host a game show? Hey, hey, were they ever a superhero? Yes or no? And if you guess, if you get right 10 in 60 seconds, you win the grand prize of the trip. However, if you're wrong, you get a strike. And if at any point you get three strikes, the game is over and that's it. For each correct answer you get is $100. So you could get $1,000 in a trip. Yay. If you screw up, hey, four riots, 400 bucks. That's that's the kind of price you would have caught on. Now you see it back in 1986. Now you see it. A game show 40 years old. We really need to fix the price budget on these shows. And yes, this is just a fun celebrity guessing game, but it's not a fun celebrity guessing game. Most of the contestants that they've casted don't really know much about celebrity pop culture, and you would think because it's TMZ, they could just give the the casting notice on the fucking website, and they can easily get people. But no. No, they can't. It's a terrible show. Jeff Dye... Uh, is known for hosting a lot of bad game shows over the years. He's hosted Numb Nuts. He's hosted Money from Strangers, and now he's and he's hosted uh, that Awkward Game Show. The Awkward Game Show was, I think, the best of the group because essentially he didn't have to say much other than "Oh, it's fine." And on this one, again, he's not the best fucking host. 
he he's a comedian who does deadpan comedy. He he's tr- he's like Joel McHale, I guess, and if you want to compare him to anything. But he is one that's like he has other things to do. He doesn't care for the contestants. He doesn't care about the game. He he it really is a paycheck for the guy. And I I think when it comes to hosting that's an important thing because you're trying to sell me on the fucking show and Jeff is not a salesperson to the show. He could give a shit less on what the scoring system is or who these contestants are it, it, other than, hey, this around is brought to you by this fucking casino app. And that's how we're going to do it. We're going to play the casino app. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, that would put more interest. This is Jeff Dye we're talking about. Oh, yeah, we're going to go through this. We're going to do this thing. And if you get that, you get 300 points. Here we go. This celebrity uh, used to date Mila Kunis. Like, that's the fucking show. It, it's n- it could be funnier. It could be brighter. It could be sillier. They could have done sketches. They could have had more ways to figure out who this person is. They could have gone the TMZ voice guy. Oh, who's this going to Erewhon market? No. They don't even get any of that shit. It, it just screams cheap. It just screams Harvey Levin needed more money to try and expand the TMZ audience. So he's trying his luck at a game show. And that game show sucks. I, I, I 100% think TMZ can do better as a game show. I think it would be better if it was, hey, what if, like, like person, place, or thing, hey, we're just going to give clues out. We're just going to keep explaining who this person could be, and then you ring in. Instead of, here's a fucking photo of Denzel Washington. Can you figure out this is Denzel Washington? It just... It just... It just doesn't have any heart to it. It doesn't have any comedy value to it. Even if there's a bad guess, you just sort of go, eh, who cares? You're not laughing with. You're just sort of, just, uh. and if you're a TMZ fan, you're not getting the comedy zingy kind of thing that you kind of want, right? So there's really no market for this show. It's a very cheap game show with no heart, no credibility, and a host that has better things to do. This is the kind of game show that I want to, like, fucking share with the public. This is not how you make a fucking game show. There are thousands of game shows that get pitched every fucking year. And this is the one that gets picked up for Fox, and this is the one that gets picked up. This is the kind of shit that makes me just, like, hate wanting to talk about game shows for a podcast because I know it's such a great fucking medium with so many fucking great ideas of how to, to, to just, how do you reinvent a celebrity guessing game? How do you reinvent a picture finding quiz? There's thousands of ways to fucking do it. And instead we're, we're reduced to, we put them behind a brick wall and one by one, we're going to remove a brick until you ring in to figure out who it is. <sighs> The wrecking ball. We're doing wrecking ball challenges. That's what we're reducing the fucking show to. Can you figure out? This is a photo of of fu- fucking uh, Ashton Kutcher behind a wrecking ball. What a great game show! It's it's not fun. 
it stretches out. There's no play along factor other than you look at the screen and you can kind of play along with that. But do you really want to? It has a very plain ass set. If this is the set that would be like, if this could be a set sponsor, this could be a Chobani ad, and I would believe you. I feel like at any moment, I'm going to be sold Greek yogurt. It's that plain of a fucking game show set. It It's just... I am in awe that this is a, the show you I picked up. I get it, though. TMZ is popular with Fox. They have a deal going on. Obviously, they're going to try this out. Didn't work for me. I, I gave it a shot, but Jeff Dye does not scream great game show host on this, and neither does the set, the design, and even the casting of contestants. Like, uh, this is, I don't know what's the best way to describe it, a strikeout. Bad format, bad contestants, bad set, bad host, bad gameplay. What's there to really talk about here? Holy shit, I can't believe a game could be this bad. The only way this could be worse if there was like fucking public humiliation or element associated with this. Or if it was just some sort of like, hey, at one random moment, we're just going to just end up just sneaking through your own personal belongings and seeing how this contestant's private life is. Oh, they go to drag shows. Oh, oh, they have posted their nudes on the internet. Oh, hey, when they go to the grocery store, uh, they like to shoplift. Ooh, like it's that kind of just, it, they don't do that, by the way. But it's almost like that's the only way this could get worse. It could always be worse. But in terms of a gameplay host set casting everything, I'm in awe of how bad it is. Maybe someone watches it and will like it, but it's such a fucking cheap show. Please, just remember, at some point, people got cast a reboot of Classic Concentration and said no. People have wanted Press Your Luck to be a half-hour game show. No. People love... Um, Deal or no deal and want a, 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 a speedier version of that? No. People want Trivial Pursuit? No. And you you got reruns of 25 words or less and Person, Place, or Thing and Pictionary and You Bet Your Life with Jay Leno. And they're going to pick that show. It it's, it's, to me, one of the biggest crimes of game shows. Please don't watch. Again, please... It is not just a no, it's not just a, like, if there's a, I think I can, I'll give it a one out of five. It's, a, it's definitely an F <laughs> in terms of just complete failure to, to make me engaged in a game show. I'm at a loss for words. Because Starface is a celebrity-based game show, and that's way better. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Rodeo Drive in the 90s was a better celebrity guessing game show. You could fucking just have rebooted uh, uh what was that show? Uh not camouflage. Well, you could do camouflage as well. Uh you could redo a, a party, costume party. And have a celebrity in a costume and guess who the celebrity is by the end of the day. You could have done that. 
You could have done Guessable. You could have done, uh, what's that one fucking UK uh, show with the thousand clues? One of those? No, we're doing TMZ. And not even funny TMZ. We're doing Don't Give a Fuck TMZ. We might as well be doing page six. This is page six, who the bleep is that? This is who the bleep would watch this. That's that's how it is. And I, I'm one of them. I feel like a fucking sucker. It's really fucking heartbreaking because I want to give every game show a try. And I know there are producers who probably uh, watch or listen to the show. And, but they're, I don't think the people who, who work on that show are in the game show world. Because if they did, they would know better. They could structure a better format. They could have said this is better. This had to be a rush job. It just had to be. Anyway, that's it. Don't fucking watch. Who the bleep is that? I, it, it, I, it, I'm angry, but at the same time, not surprised. Yep, that's pretty much how it goes. Anyway, uh, that that does it for pretty much the daytime block. Now we have to go into primetime game shows. Yes, we just explained that Celebrity Jeopardy's back and Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. Big Brother is going to be extended to October. And we have 90-minute episodes of Survivor and The Amazing Race on CBS. But CBS has another game show concept. It's a reality show called Buddy Games. A few years ago, there was a hilarious comedy with Josh Duhamel in which a group of friends relived their high school, well, technically middle school days, of summer camp by participating in a competition amongst each other over $100,000. It was called The Buddy Games. It starred Olivia Munn. It was by WWE Films and Saban Pictures. The first time the Power Rangers people met the WWE. It sucked ass. One of the major plot points was they had a paintball duel, and one of the paintballs shot a dude in the nuts. And that means, oh, my balls, I can't have kids anymore. And everyone was laughing because you don't have nuts. Ha ha ha. You don't have testicles anymore. Ha ha ha. You can see where this goes. Additionally, uh, it gets into weirder territory as well, because then they have different challenges, like drinking cum. They have to drink cum. This, now remember, this is not a real show. This was a scripted movie about friendship, and they do challenges with each other. The whole purpose is to build uh, on each other, and hey, remember the days when we used to do this? It's a terrible fucking movie. I would say it was one of the worst comedies of recent time. But it set the stage to a groundwork for what essentially was what most likely was the original case to make it into a fucking game show. Welcome to Buddy Games, the game show with Josh Dumel as the host. It's basically the worst fucking reality show I've seen on CBS since There Goes the Neighborhood. Remember Summer Camp, that USA Network show? We did that again. But instead of having the Big Brother producers do it, we're doing challenge producers? And while they keep saying these are the most outrageous challenges and competitions, I have will say with great certainty I have seen most of those challenges before in one form or another. Oh, they're running through electrical course. Ah ha ha, they're going to get shocked. 
Oh, ho, ho, they have to eat cold macaroni and cheese. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, they have to strip naked to get to the lodge. Oh, ho, ho. Oh, they have to pick up and carry their their entire body weight on their shoulders. Oh, ho, ho. It's it's terrible. Now, I'm, now episode one came out a, a week ago at this point. Episode two just came out, and it's just... I... I pretty much went I don't I can't stomach this show. I I I did the solitary. I hit the red button like 10 minutes in. I I know essentially now you know the format. It's just sort of like, "Oh, okay. So it So there's a so basically in each game there's th- it's three stages. There's a curveball, the buddy game, and then the la- the loser's last stand elimination game. So it's not like the challenge where there's two competitions each episode. There's three. First one gains an advantage or reward. And it's to sabotage another team. And then they go into what is essentially a survivor-esque challenge. Do this to lead to this, to get to that, to do this. And if you f- whoever is the the two weakest go up for elimination. The winning team from the curveball can sabotage another team in their attempt to do the multi obstacle course challenge. This puts a wrench in their system because certainly that will slow them down enough to be in the bottom two, meaning they might end up going into the elimination challenge. Loser's Last Stand is a challenge that changes every week based on a classic game. First episode was was basically Capture the Flag, but they're blindfolded and they have jingle bells and they're in a haystack. Something that I think was on a fucking episode of the challenge, like season six. It's, these aren't fun to watch challenges. I, I, okay, so Buddy Games is supposed to be a comedy. It's supposed to be a funny reality show. Obviously, they wanted this to be in the summer because summer camp, and it's fall now. So you're trying to just go, oh, right, summer was fun, yeah. No one remembers the fucking Buddy Games movie because it sucks ass. So what you're going off of is people in their late 30s, 40s, and some even in their 50s being a group of four, and they're doing the dumb... I would say I wouldn't say childish bullshit, but I would say things that would have been provocative if this was 2002. Oh, they're going to get naked and go into a hot tub. Oh, they're going to uh, do a jackass style stunt where they're going to fall into mud. It it's just uninteresting. The problem with a reality competition show is it lives and dies through its challenges. Now, every reality show kind of has their own niche version of a challenge. For instance, Big Brother, there's favorites like The Wall Challenge and Otev and Zingbot and BB Comics that people kind of remember time and time again. For the case of uh, Survivor, it's that game where you have to basically put the ball on the little roller coaster ride and have to keep putting it on the endurance as you have to keep switching arms. There's the, stead- there's the little steady game where you have to navigate the marble through the maze and hope it doesn't fall off. 
And of course, what's usually, which is similar to what you see on buddy games, this leads to this, leads to this, leads to this. So first you gotta, first when I say go, one team member has to swim out to sea and grab the crate. And once they grab the crate, they can push it to shore. In the shore, they'll see it's a bag with a code. That code will only be figured out if the partner can solve this crossword puzzle. If they solve the crossword puzzle, they flip it over and they discover the four-digit number to open the code. Once they get the code, they get a ball. Once they get the ball, they get to have to play basketball with it. Once they throw the ball into the hoop, they basically have a little hooking mechanic with the rope, which means they can now build a drawbridge. Once they go through the drawbridge, they can have to build a makeshift ladder of 20 rungs. Once they get to the 20 rungs, there's another puzzle at stake. Once they solve that puzzle, they have to end up going down the slide and then ending up having to do a have to tie a knot and unravel a flag. The first team to unravel the flag gets immunity and reward. You want to know what you're playing for? You're playing for Water! Just a giant water cooler of water. It's clean, and it's it's fresh and cold. Yum. Worth playing for? <laughs> or if it's a case of, like, a fucking uh, Love Island, it's some sort of, like, melt the ice with your body sort of sexual innuendo challenge. But that being said, Buddy Games is trying to go for for the summer camp kind of challenges while muddy and dirty and trying to be sexy, provocative. But it doesn't quite know what audience it wants. Does it want like Gen X who want to remember the good old days? Do they want people who like summer camp in general? Do they want all ages or do they want just people who are just sort of like, well, it's a game show, I'll watch anything. It, it, it doesn't really have a set audience in mind, and it doesn't really have a set, like, pace in mind. If your reality show, like, Die Hard, there's not a lot to go, ooh, ah, I want to see the strategy of this show. It's not Survivor, where you can look at the voting tactics and social engineering. Same with Big Brother. It's not the traitors, either. The, the only sort of social kind of interaction is who deserves the sabotage of they have to sit down for five whole minutes and do another challenge before they can continue with the main challenge. It, it, it sucks. It sucks ass. It's literally as bad as the movie. And in the process of watching this shit reality show, I saw that there's a sequel coming soon called Spring Fling. And I just... It's not a big enough movie franchise. If Fast and Furious, that's a big movie franchise. Do that first as a as a TV show. And I'm not talking about that one show that was on like Discovery Channel where they had to race street cars to try and, and win money. No, I mean like just do a fucking street racing show. Hey, you know what's big and popular? You know the uh, Hunger Games. Do the Hunger Games again. That was Capture. That was a popular thing. Hey, you know, Saw is making the raid the rounds again. Why don't you do an escape room a la Saw? Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, it's exactly like Elevator. Who cares? Essentially, what I'm saying is Buddy Games is not worth the effort. It's I'm probably the only person who suffered for one in one-tenth of another episode. I 
I might keep watching just to see what's their big finale, but I'm gonna guess, just pulling a hunch here, just throwing a guess here, the winner is going to be a, um, it's gonna be sort of a, uh, a big obstacle course of multiple challenges and the first to complete it wins. Right, that's gonna be it. It's just a terrible reality show. Do not put the effort to watch it. It sucks. What's shit fucking showing? It's I, it's it's not. I have been watching three episodes. The high the highlight is you have to make one of your teammates leave, and once another person leaves, you're off the show. And everyone's like heartbreak. Oh no, we are losing Jeremy. Just ugh. Anyway, let's uh, take a little break here. Uh, so foreign game shows are also something we like to cover. Uh, Deal or No Deal will be coming back in October. They're doing a Survivor in October, a Big Brother in October. I think the same day, theoretically. So I will probably be back sometime in October to talk about all those shows. And there is also a Jeopardy UK, a Wheel of Fortune in the works, and a Pyramid Pilot that just got picked up. We don't know what network or what's going to happen with that, but looks like a bit of fun. Additionally, Kimmel's people have a new game show coming soon to Hulu, uh, where people are going to be living in a house to try and win a million dollars. But at any point, they can leave the house and take all the money with them. But if they survive the full uh, week, they get to split the money. Uh, and that's a really interesting game mechanic. But now let's go into the uh, future. Uh, the floor is coming soon. It's an, a 9x9 grid, and they have to basically play a game of Risk with picture puzzles. And if you loved Who the Bleep Is That with the picture puzzles, why not try Picture Slam? Over in jolly old England, there's a brand new game show on the BBC called Picture Slam, hosted by Alan Carr. It's a primetime game show where three teams of two try to figure out what is on a screen for £10,000. So here's how it works. There's three teams of two. They get to introduce each other by a photo. That's very cute. But what essentially is the game is there's four items and they have like 30 seconds to basically pick a number and then they're shown the item and then they have to basically say what it is. Like if there's a photo of a gala apple, what kind of apple is this? And <clears throat> that's that's the game. If they can get all four out of four, that's called a picture slam and they get a cash bonus uh, and it basically that's the name of the game. Just you're under a clock as many as you can and you get a slam. Uh, it's part of a new genre of quiz I've been seeing. Make the, it's a trendy thing. Uh, I call it the flashcard quiz because it's really just showing a photo of the Eiffel Tower and saying Eiffel Tower. You, you see that with um, who the bleep is that with a celebrity guess. Uh, that's also available in In With A Shout, which was a UK game show a few months ago, which we didn't review, I think. Which essentially is just this show, but more convoluted prize tree structure. Uh, and then there is uh, The Floor with Rob Lowe. It, it's just becoming a little trend. Uh, if you've seen Hot Hands with Ellen the Generous, it's basically that. Uh, so, <clears throat> when it comes to... Uh, picture slam, there's three teams of three. They each get 30 seconds, and it's 50 pounds per correct whatever. And if they get the slam, they get a bonus 100, meaning they can get up to 300 pounds in the first round. Uh, but everybody goes twice, so they can get up to 600. 
Then it gets into a catch-up round. I forget what they call it. Maybe like the speed round. Where each team, it just is photo after photo after photo. And it's $50 a pop. But now, if they just get four in a row, it's called a picture slam. They get the bonus and they keep going from there. However, if they pass, uh, then the streak ends and they have to start anew and try to get four in a row to build up the slam total. Uh, after time runs out, it's like, well, you got seven right. That's 50 each. That's 350. Well, let's add it to your score. Whoever has the lowest score at the end of that game is eliminated, bringing down to two teams as they do a head-to-head challenge with the picture battle. In picture battle, there's four categories, all of a certain theme, like sport or space, but it's all wordplay. And there are six items on the board. And this time, the values are double, just like every game show. So it's 100 pounds apiece with 200 for a picture slam. But here's the catch. Uh, The teams have to go solo. So one player versus one other player from the other team. And it's a solo round. But now, if they screw up and they run out of time, any leftover photos can be stolen by the other team for a bonus 100, which means it's still anybody's game. If there's a picture slam, it's a 200-pound bonus, which is really big by score-wise. And as there's four categories, so each of the four contestants, one versus A, two versus B, uh, they get to all go through all the categories, and whoever has the most doesn't win yet because there's a speed final final round, which is just the same as the speed round, but this time one guess apiece. 100 per correct answer, four in a row gets you the 200 bonus, but now it's one guess. If you fuck up, the slam streak ends and it goes to the opposing team who then carries it over. Whoever has the most money at the end of the final round goes on to the bonus. In the bonus round, there's 12 images. And in the final round, they have 90 seconds to get all 12. If they get just 8 out of 12, they win their bank of the episode, like 2,000 or 3,000 pounds. If they get 10 out of the 12, they get 5,000 pounds. And if they're lucky enough to get through all 12 in 90 seconds, they win, you guessed it, 10,000 pounds. Yippee. There is two lifelines during this game. If at any point they don't know what it is or need some help, Alan can give a lifeline, which gives them the first initials to whatever the hell it is. Whether it's a person, a thing, it doesn't matter. And that's it. Uh, It's a very cute game. Just like person, place, or thing, very lighthearted, very fluffy, very fun. However... It's a very dark set. I'm growing to hate dark sets, and it's played on a giant screen. A few months ago, uh, In With A Shout had different monitors, and I thought that was really cool and a much better hook than here's a giant television screen, and that's the only screen we're going to look at for the entirety of this show. Uh, so as much as I like this show, it's very cutesy, the set is dull and boring the gameplay is easy to understand i don't have to really go like in with a shout where it's like but if they get one wrong they go down or wrong if they get one right they go up or wrong if they run out of time they go down or wrong 
it, it's so simplistic and very easy and fun. It's on BBC in primetime, which is kind of weird for the £10,000 prize. It reminds me a bit of Catchpoint in that same regard. But £10,000 cash prize is also like tipping point on ITV. And that's on every day over there, Monday through Friday. So every single time I've been watching, so watching this show, I kept thinking, this just feels like an ITV Monday through Friday strip show. Like this would be the tipping point counterpoint. But it's instead a Saturday night game show that's meant to be the lead in for a much bigger show. That being said, Alan Carr is probably one of the best game show hosts in Britain right now. He really does cheer on all of the contestants, still remains being very funny, and is just an exciting to watch person. Uh, when it comes to a show like this, it could easily be very boring. And in some ways, just seeing the same game be played multiple times, it sort of is. But I, it could have been worse. In my mind, this is a kind of a game show that it could have been just a whole lot more of a shit show, and it isn't, but it is very, very repetitive. It feels like a game that you would have saw on Richard Osman's House of Games for one round stretched out to a full hour. Now, uh, that being said, again, I'll repeat this, like person, place, or thing, it is very light, very breezy, very enjoyable. I think the biggest con in this game is the bonus round and the set. The set is just the weakest thing in this, but it's still very fun because it's just bad guesses followed by some fun ad libs. I think it's a very cute show. I don't know if there's a way for Americans to watch an episode, but if you can't find it, just give it a watch just so you can at least have like a good 40 second, 40 minutes of like, light entertainment it literally is light entertainment as a game show and i think that's very crucial it's there's really no heavy stakes in this game other than here's two thousand pounds because you're able to remember who yosemite sam looked like the cartoon character or brands which is very awkward for bbc which used to not really like having brand names on their channel but that's that's okay Anyway, there's multiple brands for you to buy. Uh, but Picture Slam, I think, is very cute, but it should be more speedy, with a much more vibrant set, something that more screams, this is Alan Carr's lounge and we're all here, and something with more TV screens. Maybe have monitors or something fun to go along with instead of just staring at an infinite void with a blank screen. It's just sort of... that's. The more I want, I, I the more I see things like that, the more I just kind of go, oh. The only cool thing about this set is it's sort of like they have the LED strip lights to do the chase lights thing, which is kind of cute. But again, it's just boring. I want more fun, and because it, it, it's such a fun, vibrant show, to have it be a cold, dark set. It's not millionaire. We're not giving away a hundred thousand pounds here. This is. A few thousand. It's just, it could get better. It could get better. But uh, for a first run, good job. It's fine. It's a fine show. Anyway, next is uh, <clears throat> we're going to go into a uh, another foreign game show. In fact, this came out recently on Netflix. 
uh, based on one of the created by one of the people who made the genius game, one of the best reality shows ever created. Uh, it's one that I really like to suggest people go ahead and watch, but we don't know when it's going to happen. Also, as of the time of this recording, Jetlag has a new season. There's uh, Dropout is now the official name of uh, of College Humor. No more College Humor. It's all Dropout. So a lot of things have kind of been happening uh, since I've been away in terms of news. Uh, so I'm really excited about uh, what lies ahead. I mean, uh, let's let's get into it. This is a little show called The Devil's Plan. Netflix has a brand new reality series called The Devil's Plan. It's a Korean format from the creators of The Genius. And it's a very geniusy reality show. Uh, the Genius, if you have never seen it, is this very game theory, society-based, sociological, game-breaky show uh, with very complicated rules. Sometimes it's like a variation of werewolf or mafia. Others, it's all puzzle-solving. And it's all about taking advantages that aren't explained in the rulebook or are somewhat explained so you can essentially get an advantage over everybody and win. Uh, <clears throat> so, with the case of uh, this show, it also takes cues from two other formats created, Society Game and The Great Escape. Great Escape is more of like a team-based escape room show that was like over the top of budget. And Society Game was kind of like the genius, but all about like the society kind of things like Survivor, of who gets control over others and whose leadership and which is better, a democracy or a, like a rulership. And in this show, it's played with two segments, a main match and a prize match. The main match is kind of like the genius. If you've never seen the genius before, you're right at home. It's some game with like 20 different rules to understand. And if you fit a criteria, you win some points and that's it. However, uh, at the end of that match, whoever is the lowest scored uh, in terms of these points uh, end up going to prison which means they're not allowed to convene with any other people in the group in the middle of a Big Brother house scenario. Uh, so there's a mix of Big Brother with the genius in this game. Uh, additionally to this prison dilemma of whoever has the lowest scores is put in prison, if at any point somebody loses their points, as in there's a game where you lose points, because there is, you're immediately out of the game. So in theory now, the genius part of the game, the main match, also becomes a death match, which means at any certain point, the very players that you have uh, gone to know and help build the pot in a cooperative setting, which is the prize match, you have to betray in order to win. So there's a next level thinking to the genius. It's not about just cleverness and ability to think outside the box in these game theory puzzles, it's also about being able to basically betray everybody to win undetected. So it's basically, who is the best traitor mole kind of character in these sort of lie detection-based games? Uh, so <clears throat> what I really like about this show is that there's lots of good thinking that comes with the these challenges. So... It, it honestly, uh, 
makes a lot of sense if you want to watch it to just want to play and see what does what the editing doesn't doesn't spoils everything so that means you have to play along and play a guessing game of who is what role or who is doing what and then they rewind back to the first day or they fast forward to later in the entire series and you're like what caused that to happen to cause these dramatic effects which makes it just a beautiful watch now i love the genius because it is a game of ugly victories and beautiful defeats and it had a very straightforward premise because main match leads to death match and just like a reality show elimination 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 Netflix, on the other hand, it's only after six episodes or six games uh, do the top two people play a head-to-head game, which means it's not necessarily the last two standing go on to play. It's whoever has the highest score goes on to play, and they play a little board game that was introduced in the beginning of episode two. And whoever wins gets the prize fund, which is the cooperative jackpot, which is kind of like the mole, which is like 50000 here, 100000 here, uh, to win a top prize of 500 million won. So I guess if you want to just try and mathematically say half a million dollars or so, just to make it sound American, go for it. Um, it's very, it's very good. To me, it is one of the best reality shows Netflix has ever put out. They have a subbed version if you are a fan of old school The Genius, Bum Diliumptious. Thanks again for all those times. Or if you want to, for rare form, there's a dub version. And I chose the dub. And it is great. They decided to do it in batches. So we're not. I, I haven't finished watching all of them, but it is beautiful uh, in every episode. Sometimes you're only getting the cooperative game and a little bit of strategy. Other times you're getting the main match because it's Netflix. They do that hiccup, wait till the next episode, cutaway thing that sometimes I just hate with these reality shows. So for me, that's kind of my main gripe. Uh, Additionally, compared to the genius, I still prefer the genius a bit more, I'm afraid only because of the straightforwardness of main match, death match, elimination. Main match, death match, elimination, leading to the finale when all the eliminated players have one big final duel to determine the winner. Um, I love that kind of aspect of the genius, but this game is still holds its own, and it's not terrible. This is just kind of like one step below. <laughs> like it's, it's not the greatest show, it's just one step below. It's like, it's not a 10 out of 10. It's a 9 out of 10. A really, 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 really good show. I still encourage people to watch it, especially if you've never seen The Genius before. This is a better gateway entry into that kind of reality show than just watching The Genius right now. And Netflix, for taking a risk on this, did a really great job because I love The Genius game. When it came out, it was one of the first episodes I wanted to ever talk about for this podcast, and this is just sort of like an evolutionary version of the show. I don't hate it at all, it's just some of the Netflix tropes that come with their reality offerings are very prevalent in this, even though it's Korean. Um, but that being said, for there's a Squid Games game show coming soon. This is a much better version of whatever that's going to be. And... 
the way they handle sabotages, it's better than the traders. The way they handle uh, tokens of stuff, way better than what you can expect. So there's a lot of drama, but not in that uh, force screen match, but in a there are two smart people with two very clever plans, but one has to prevail, so they have to convince the group they're the right ones. That makes it very smart. Also, this atmosphere very reminds me of 999. So if you're a fan of the Zero Escape series, you'll feel right at home with this as well. And that is uh, the making of a really good reality show. So please, check it out if you have Netflix. I think it's worthy of a subscription, but not just the show alone. Like, wait till maybe season two of The Mole, or if you have a backlog of stuff you haven't seen yet on Netflix, put this with your features. Binge this, and then binge, like, One Piece or something, and you'll be fine. Like, make, you, make a night of it, watch One Piece, and then watch The Devil's Plan. You'd be glad you did. The host is like this uh, purge, kind of, or, or maybe wrench from Watch Dogs 2 in a hoodie, and I think that's such a cool-looking character. Uh, I just maybe have a thing for for like like LED masks or something. I don't know, but it, it's a very fun host and a very fun show. Uh, binging it not always the best option. So if you're going to binge it, make sure you make like breaks. But it, it's really really good. Uh, personally, if you want my opinion, uh, don't binge it like all beginning to end. Binge it in chunks, because there is a main game, an elimination game, and then they go to sleep. Stop when they go to sleep. When you go, when they go to sleep, you go to sleep, and then the next morning you wake up, and then you can follow along as well. So you have like a six-day binge-a-thon of this. And you'll be a little happier about it too, I believe. So, uh, in conclusion, this is a winning show. This is like a... a it's not an A-plus show, it's not a five-star show, but it's like a 4.25. It's just right there, must-see, give it a watch, The Devil's Plane on Netflix. There's lots, of, there's lots of layers in these rules, and I don't want to spoil them. All right, let's go into the syndications. Uh, Family Feud is back. They're filming at the Haven Studios where they filmed The Price is Right. Uh, there's still Nothing has really changed with that show, still Steve Harvey. Uh, the Price is Right is back on CBS with the audience, also at the Haven Studios. Lots of fun. Uh, I, there's a bit of like staging hiccups I'm seeing, but it, it's no big deal. Uh, next, let's make a deal also at the Haven Studio. Uh, they got rid of the Skype, but they kept the deal pods, and I do love those little deal pods. But I wish they had something in the background more, uh, because it's now very stoic and metallic, and I wish there was like just something sticking out. Uh... But hey, that's also at the Haven Studios. And then Wheel and Jeopardy. Obviously, Jeopardy's recycling the clues, but because the writers strike, they're now going to probably write more clues, and you might see some new ones by the second half of the season in the Tournament Champions. So that's going to be a lot of fun to go back to watching Jeopardy. They're currently on, like, tournaments and tournaments within tournaments and second chances and just, eh, I, I, I don't really care. I, I liked, I don't, I, I'm okay with tournament structures if it's second chance. Not so much, and it's like the Jeopardy, like Celebrity Jeopardy tournament. And Wheel of Fortune, this is past last season, and they just kept the minimum at 40000 Nothing new to report in terms of gimmicks or wheel spaces or anything like that, so it just feels like more of the same old, same old, but I do like the way that they're handling contestants. 
I do wish, however, they went to like the 90s Wheel of Fortune with that brighter sets and bizarre ass prizes like 24 karat gold pins. But oh, well, anyway, let's go into primetime the snake oil show. Let's go into snake oil. For the first time in a while, there's a new game show in town, and it's not an adaptation of a board game, video game, uh, another spinoff of another series. It's just a new concept called Snake Oil. Snake Oil is hosted by David Spade from Tommy Boy and Just Shoot Me, in which two teams try to go against each other to try and deduce real products from fictional ones. Here's how the game works. There's two teams. One civilian, one contestant. They each start out with $50,000. And there is an emporium of four pairs of two items. That means we have a total of eight items. With each pair, there is one real item that is available on the market to buy and one that is complete bullshit, also known as, in this game, snake oil. The contestant's job is to pretty much figure out which is the real product from the fake one. In round one, the initial investment, each team gets to pick one of the four. And once they pick their four, they are locked into it. We get to see each of the two items. Remember, in each pair, one is real, one is fake. With each item, you'll get to see the person who is the business manager. If they're real, it's the actual business guy. And if it's fictional, it's going to be an actor. They're going to give off the tagline and the bit of the product. Then there's going to be an infomercial, a 60-second skit created by the producers and uh, acted on by the team who don't know if it's fake or real either as they try and come up with a silly skit involving the product. And then finally, in round one, a 60-second grill-off with each person. When did you come up with this item? How much does it cost? Uh... What, what do you do with this? What's your marketing strategy like? Where do you sell this? How do you make this? And they have to answer truthfully. Of course, if it is the fake person, they can just bullshit it's long. Then they get to decide what is the item they feel is real. And then they must make a bet. It starts at $1,000 and goes up $500 all the way to $10,000. And it's kind of like a range game kind of thing where it goes doot, 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 doot. However, the other team does have a chance to basically have another chance to win the money. If they feel the opposing team has picked the snake oil and not the real item, they could poach their opponent and end up taking the opponent's, uh, the other side and can poach another wager of up to $10,000. Which means in this game you can win twenty grand by betting ten thousand and being right in your half and getting ten thousand on your correct bid. So therefore, there is two gambles of ten thousand dollars in this round. Once the team locks in, there and we get to do that fun game show reveal. Is it real or is it snake oil? Do 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 do. Boom! If it's real, they bank the money. If it's snake oil, they lose their investment. This is repeated twice, one for team one and another for team two. So they each have a fair shot of trying to find real from snake oil and we get rid of half the products. Then we go into the big money round, the big investment. Using the money they have left, they can make the same gamble. They get to see a tagline, they get to see the infomercial, and that's it. 
However, this time around, they have 20,000 to gamble, and it's just the one team. There is no secret poaching with the O's opposing team. And to make matters a little bit more difficult, between 20,000 up to 50,000, however, they can, uh, if they don't have enough because they made wrong bids, they can only go with as much as they have. Which means that even if they go a perfect game and get 20,000 more, they can't gamble up to 70,000. They can only gamble up to 50,000. Isn't that neat? So, after the big investment, Team 1, or Team 2, based on who has the least amount of money, gets to see both products, gets to see both taglines, gets to see both infomercials, and then can only grill for 60 seconds one of the two products. That means 60 seconds of, once again, how did you make this? What do you do? And then off that information, they have to pick their real or snake oil item. But this is done in secret because this is like Final Jeopardy. We then return to the other team who then gets the last pair of items on the show floor. And we once again, tagline, blah, blah, blah. And this time around, they get to show their gamble from $20,000 and $500 increments up to $50,000. And then we, of course, reveal at the final act of the show, well, second to last act, is it real? Is it snake oil? You gambled $40,000. You're right. You gambled $37,000. That's wrong. And whoever has the most money gets to keep that money and goes on to the final round, the bonus round, the snake pit. That's the name of the bonus round, the snake pit, hey, which actually is a pretty good name for a final round. The other team walks away with nothing. So, in the snake pit round, it's essentially a confidence game. You have seen eight products today, and you've seen how confusing this gets. But in one final game, now you just have to find the one bit of snake oil among the real products. If you want to play normally with two products and get it right, $10,000. There is no more taglines, no more music, no more anything. It's just the products in the description. For one out of two, it's 10,000. For one out of three, 25,000. One out of uh, four chance, which is four items, one snake oil, $50,000. And if you wanna go all in, one out of five, four real items, one bullshit, or one snake oil, $100,000. Of course, if you pick the snake oil, you win that money, you win the bonus, but if you choose the real item instead of the snake oil, you get bitten and you lose half your bank. That's the bonus round. I think it's really nice. Um, it's a really good finale because it's kind of just what we've been doing the entire game, but faster, and it's not a 60 second bonus round, which I really enjoy. Now, David Spade, he's funny, but he doesn't riff that hard on the products. He doesn't really riff hard on contestants that much. And even though he's funny, it feels like he really sometimes just doesn't want to be there. And it's kind of sad. The set is kind of dark. I it, it, it does have like a lot of cobras. They're doing more cobras as the snake for the snake oil. And I kind of want, was expecting it to be more of like a circus county fair tent, like step right up, kind of like the 1920s snake oil salesman with wagons and all that. And it's an, 
very boring set, even though it looks like snakes and they're kind of like Mass Singer. I was kind of disappointed. David Spade, he he's a good host, but he doesn't really want to be there. It's one of those hosts that, like a David, like a Richard Iowati, the I'm self-referential, I'm getting paid, and this is just a bad idea. To me, I hate that kind of host because it feels like, well, then they shouldn't belong there. They don't really give a shit about the game. Why should you? Uh, so for for me, David's just and uh, the set is uh, and the scoring. The first round makes sense. You know, 10,000, you can poach. Second round, you can pretty much gamble everything, but they have a limit of 50,000, which is, huh? Uh, so it's it's weird because uh, it just reminds me a bit of Liars Club where there's celebrities and they have a product and what is this product and what's real, what's fake. I feel like maybe that was the original idea is you gamble what's real and what's fake. And as much as I love the head-to-head game and there's a, sort of uh, element of it it's it feels like sketch so assume that everyone loses all their money they all went all in and they all gamble they all lose then how you do the tiebreaker is going to be kind of confusing additionally if someone gets ten thousand and then poaches for ten thousand to get twenty and the other team loses and are twenty thousand then the stretch is now between 70,000 and 30,000, which means you can create a Jeopardy win gap. Even, no, no, wait, that's why there's the 20,000 minimum, because the 20,000 minimum means you can go 70,000 to zero and 30, 20 to miss, can bounce it back up to 50. Oh, I see how they did that. That's actually clever. That's actually clever, game. Um, but uh, there's no real way to kind of root for the underdog in this. The sketches are anywhere between funny and just eh. But the art department does a really good job of making believable fake products. To me, I think that's the real heart of the show is these fake ideas. Uh, to me, I played it and I, I actually got fooled a couple of times, which is actually very fun because a lot of them felt very strange but believable because you see too much Shark Tank. Um, but the celebrity guesses don't really contribute to the show. It's kind of like rolling in it in that regard. Um, however, I would say it's a fine show. It just reminds me of Liars Club, and I wish they had more of like a gambling aspect. And the final round being like 100,000 is fine, but I kind of wish it was more like a, instead of the you lose the money and it's half and half and half, it is somewhat like a, we double your money, like, like, if you win the first round in your first guess, you win a $100,000 bonus. If you get the second one, we double your money or some sort of way to make it up to like a quarter million. Because I think that was the aim. They got to 220 as the top prize. You want to make something that's kind of in that upper echelon kind of thing. So you want to make it so it's like, okay, so if you get fooled once, you, you, don't, lo- you don't get the 100 grand. But the second time around, you lose your chance at all your money. So now you're playing for half. And then it's the 50-50 gamble, and that 50-50 is all or nothing. I think something like that would have been uh, more attribute to it, um, where there's more stakes in the game because now it's you're getting snake-oiled, you're getting snake-oiled, you're getting snake-oiled, and there's that sort of urgency for the team to start losing money in the bonus round versus a choose-your-poison-between-two. 
I think it would have been better if you had all the products on stage. Um, additionally, I think if there was like the 50000 at, at front and you kind of had to keep that money, kind of like dual, so you had to head, you can hedge your bets on what is real in Snake Oil among like four items and one is Snake Oil, uh, that would have been uh, fun. Um but I'm sure they kind of game tested this theory and this is the best they came up with. And if that's the case, it's not that bad. It, it really, they tried to think about the scoring mechanism as the points and the products and fakeness. I think that those are all very clever. The problem ultimately is David Spade just kind of not feeling like he wants to be. I think you want more of like a comedian business guy, like an Ashton Kutcher or even Ryan Reynolds. Or you want somebody that feels like a con man in front of you. Somebody who's like really like a hustler kind of guy. Um, and that's not really David Spade. He's just a complete funny guy. And I, I think he, he's great on prank shows. And I think he would be great on like a... Like if there was Cheat America, like the, the cheat on in Netflix, I think he would have been a much better host for that. Uh, just as, as sort of like the are you telling the truth? situation uh for the set it, it feels like mass singer very dark very light and they're trying to have more comedy aspects it feels like it's the it's the tough judge between comedy and a game show they didn't really fully merge it they didn't fully go on with the guessing aspect either but it's appreciated and for me I, I don't hate the show that much. I would say it's like a three out of five show. I, if it's on the air, maybe I'll watch it because it's a little clever of an idea. But I don't know if this is really like a two season show. I feel like this is a one and done kind of situation. But I really love creativity. I really love a smart idea. I love that somebody actually went out of their way to try and create this format and test market this and all this to go on Fox because in our weird world, it's now like it has to be a foreign format or it has to be a game show from Korea or, or UK. And if it's American, it has to be a reboot, like name that tune. That I appreciate Snake Oil for just simply existing and trying. Uh, for me, it's a great idea. I don't know if it'll get a second season. It, there needs to be some tweaks kind of here and there. I could see it as a three-team show. I could see that as like a like a new Liars Club where it's three people and they all get to bet on each pair. So the, the tides keep turning. But uh, it's fine. I do, I do enjoy it. Uh, so I do recommend watching a couple episodes. You don't have to watch the full season. It's not one of those that I feel like, yeah. But it's fun to play along with. So good job to Snake Oil. And that's going to do it for this week's episode only because I know we're running long and I have bandwidth and all this other weird shit. So um, before we go, uh, the next episode, besides the archives, will probably be more reviews uh, to talk about because there's lots of game shows that's going to be coming out this week and next week and all this. Uh, first, uh, CBS has two game shows coming soon. First is Loteria Loca, which is based on Loteria, the Mexican bingo game. Uh, and they're gonna, it's gonna be more like a luck-based, skill-based, uh, physical challenge kind of game show, but from what I've seen with a house band and mariachi, well, not mariachi music, but it's basically like a singing, dancing, over-the-top game show that looks like a lot of fun, a lot of cultural references, which I think is gonna be really, really cool and refreshing for a game show. The next is Raid the Cage, 
based off, I believe, an Israeli format where people go into a cage and try and do a physical challenge and then grab some presents and then get the hell out of a cage before time runs out. Uh, Jeannie Mae from Holy Moly and Damon Wayans is going to be hosting the show. Uh, and that's going to be a little bit of silly and fun. Uh, I can't wait to see both those shows a lot. Uh, additionally, as I said earlier, Big Brother is coming back in the UK. Uh, Dealer Deal No Deal is going to be in the UK. I think Jeopardy might be releasing in October as well. We also will be seeing uh, the debut of other shows. Like Virtually Impossible, I think, was like a gimmick thing. Um that, that we'll probably talk about if we had time next time. But Jeopardy and Survivor and Big Brother and Deal or No Deal will be in the UK. Uh, <clears throat> Deal or No Deal Island does not have a date yet, but the trailer says that Joe Mangiano is going to be the host, and that's going to be sometime in 2024. I'm going to say that's going to probably be uh, sometime maybe in the spring because it seems like there's really no... Uh, set dressing, they're just kind of showing snakes and spiders and rivers and in a briefcase of money. Uh, so it's just, ugh, the, I don't know how I feel about that format. But we'll see how that goes. There's lots more game shows to talk about next month and probably the month after, all the way until maybe like February. So we'll be trying to do these monthly updates uh, as things go by, and we'll see, we'll just see how it goes. Uh, and we hope that you uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'll see you soon. Sorry for the long episode. And I uh, hope you guys take care. This is Jordan Haas signing off. And big smooch. Mwah!